Okay, so the film that Nick was kind of bored by, spoiler alert, well, was... I liked, I liked a lot of it, but the road cut was by this. Ah. Uh, oh, that's good. I didn't even watch that one. I think we, yeah, had, no. we, had, a cup, we had a couple of rogues in this bunch. Rogue. 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 Uh, the film we watched was X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, this is Cinema Excelsior, where we watch films, including X-Men Days of Future Past. And our roundtable today, from digital left to digital right, we have Daniel Watson-Jones. Hello. Derek Long. Hello! Dr. Derek Long, I'm sorry. Please, Dr. Derek Long is me, and my father as well. (laughs) Wait, is your dad's name Derek? (laughs) Is he a doctor? No comment. (laughs) This interview is over. Are you your own father? (laughs) I was just going to say, are you your own mother? Are you also your own mother? Like in that one Robert Heinlein short story that no one else has read besides me? (laughs) Wait, is that the one that that Ethan Hawke movie is based on? I don't know. I haven't seen that one Ethan Hawke movie. There's, a, there's, well, there's an there's Ethan Hawke movie based on a Robert Dylan story where Ethan Hawke is his own mother. And his own father, if you're following the short yeah, story. Like if there's a movie uh, where Ethan Hawke is his own mother, it's probably based on that story. Fair enough. <laughs> if it's not, then... No, well. completely separate thread. This one was based on a Philip K. Dick story. Anyway, continuing the roundtable, we have Nick Bester, doctoral candidate Nick Bester. Oh, thank you very much. Yep. We have Patrick Regan, who is not a doctor. Not in any way. Yep. I am a master if you go by my degrees, though. Uh, you I'm... missed such an opportunity to say, but I say, play one on TV. God damn it, I was just getting ready to say that. <laughs> I, I was getting ready say, to say, but I play I'm one Stephen in real Claypool, life. but I played one on TV. Um, yeah, I'm Stephen Claypool, and this week, all of us are nameless mutants that get killed <laughs> in a massacre. <laughs> there are a lot of those. Where are those mutants that your mom warned you about? Yes. <laughs> it's yep. She tried to, but they, we didn't have names, so... Exactly. You know, those mutants! <laughs> Stay and away all of our mothers people. are Ethan Hawke. All of our mothers are Ethan Hawke. My yeah. mother's actually been Arguably, told she looks like Sigourney Weaver, but that's another, he has a code that's another Marvel issue. Is that the issue. plot of the latest Darren Aronofsky film, that Ethan Hawke is all of our mothers? <laughs> it could be. Spoiler alert, I haven't seen it yet. No way to that movie. <laughs> So yes, X-Men Days of Future Past is the film that we watched uh, this time around on the merry-go-round. Um, and a couple of things to note before we, we launch into our customary summary. Uh, number one, this film marked the return of Brian Singer to the director's chair. Uh, Singer, who directed the first and second X-Men films and then produced X-Men First Class. Now he's back directing again because I guess Matthew Vaughn was making Kingsman or something like that? Probably. Yep. No, honestly, made no sense to me. It's not like First Class was badly directed. No, no. First Class uh, was very well directed. So, Brian Singer is back. And uh, the second thing is that this film... Okay. There's no way to talk about this film without talking about the uh, Gordian knot that is X-Men continuity. (laughs) Um, And this film struggles to untangle the knot without ever having learned the lesson of the story, which is sometimes you just got to cut the knot, man. Well, that is kind of what they're doing at the very, very end, where they're just like, fuck it, it's all, we'll just reboot it. Mm-hmm. For the record, I, I did not really have trouble following what they were trying to do. The only thing that I had trouble was the trouble with was the idea that Kitty Pride was going to be holding him in this state for the entire time days. he was in the past. Yeah. 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 And, uh, 
they could have easily said, like, well, now we're just going to jump him forward in time so that he doesn't have to sit on this airplane. Or what, <laughs> or what they could have done is uh, make it so that time moved at different speeds in both timelines, as has been done in previous Ellen Page films. <laughs> Oh, Inception. Sorry. No. Thank you. I was going hard candy. I don't think so. <laughs> Juno. Yeah. Yeah. In Juno. Well, you know, I think Juno was in, in one way about how all of us move in our own time. Anywho, uh, probably best to start off with a uh, a summary of this film. Uh, It might be dense. There's a lot of plot in here, so bear with us. I don't think there's anything but plot in here. Yeah, this is... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of plot. Uh, So we start off... Do do we get a year when we start off? I don't know. It's like 2038 or something. It is is intimated over the course of the film that it's like 10 years forward from present day, which presumably would be 2014 plus 10, so 20. I always think of it yeah. as like 20XX, like in the Mega Man games. Yeah, it's the yeah, not-too-distant yeah. That's how That's how I described it, but also Wolverine very consistently describes it himself as going back in time 50 years, so mm-hmm. I assume that maybe not an exact number, but... Yeah, so 1973 plus... Plus uh, 50. I assume, we're, I assume take... we're in the uh, 2020. I mean, if we really want to break our brains, does it take place before or after Logan is supposed to take place? Uh, okay. Logan takes place in a different timeline. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will, we'll, we'll talk. Okay, so I think just let's yeah. let's, lay down, let's lay down some ground rules. Um, let's not talk about Logan in this. One, because I haven't seen it yet. And two, because I think that that's going to be its own conversation. However, any fil- X-Men film we've watched previously, including X-Men Origins Wolverine, is fair game <laughs> when we talk about how things fit into continuities. Got it. Yes. And the Wolverine. The Wolverine. <laughs> ah. Anyway, so uh, it's 20XX, uh, the not-too-distant future. And uh, the future totally sucks. Um <laughs> Boo the future! Boo the future. It, the, it's boo basically the just the Terminator universe. It's the Terminator yeah. universe yeah. crossed Pretty with much. the uh, the mainframe scenes in Tron. Because there's <laughs> yeah, a lot of neon yeah. lights. Yeah, everything's very purple in the future. Yep. Everyone dresses like they're in the Tron mainframe. Specifically, the 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 Tron Uprising mainframe, not like yeah. the old school Tron mainframe. Yeah, the Tron that Uprising. Would where they only operate in like historical monuments. Yep. Because that's the hardest place to find someone, obviously. Yeah. You mean I played also, Fallout they're the 3? only places that are left. The you know, Forbidden City is forbidden, dude. Uh, <laughs> the Sentinels. I don't did know not what you're talking out. about. They were just in China. That was the only indication I was given as to where uh, they were. Well, they're, yeah. they're in the side of a cliff, right? They're in a, a temple that's. Carved they're in, in a the cliff that lets them shoot in China, which makes them <laughs> allows them to make it a co-production, which allows them to China. make it released in full in China. Anywho, yeah, get get Fan Bing Bing in here. So we are in uh, the the Tronator universe, <laughs> and uh, we, you know Brian Singer's back, so that means that we start off with Professor X giving a monologue that establishes the narrative conceit of the film. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as he had in previous <laughs> And then we get classic Brian Singer opening credits montage where we go through some like DNA molecules into some kind of tech wire thing. Yep. They're lucky I would listen to Patrick Stewart read anything. Yeah. 
Patrick Stewart could be, yeah, he could be reading his memoirs for all I know. Um, Are you suggesting you would not listen to his memoirs? Come on, he's no, gonna have kick-ass memoirs. I would, well, but reading, I'm saying like guilty sentence to death verdict. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> Number one. Anyway, You're guilty sentence. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so mutants. We are, I believe, we start off in Moscow, and we have a collection of n- name, uh, not nameless mutants, but mutants whose names we don't know yet. Plus yeah, a couple of named mutants. Plus a couple of old favorites. Uh, we got got our Iceman's there. We got our Colossuses there. Uh, old favorites. Yep. Uh, two, two mutants only developed in Last Stand, and like the. Will be developed a protagonist in of the earlier movies, yeah. and will be developed in a future movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, and we get we got Ellen Page back as uh, as Kitty Pride, and they are uh, they are under attack by. Uh, oh, who knows? By We've the... got Bishop and Warpath, and then Fire Dude. Yeah, but those. And things... then who's the, who's the who's the uh, Blink. portal? Blink. Blink. Wait, Blink. Bishop. Blink. Is yeah. Bishop in this? Yeah, Bishop's yeah, in this. Bishop's yeah. prominently Bishop's featured one of Bishop's the one that they're sending They're sending his consciousness back in time. Yeah. You know, yeah. Bishop, You're right. Bishop, mutant, He's got the black guy, M-scar on his face, Bishop. large guns. He's, he's the only African mutant? Yeah. So he's, the one, he's the one they keep sending energy into. Anyway, yes. uh, Sentinels attack, and we, uh, like, like a... Uh, a uh, mutant-oriented snuff film. We watch as the Sentinels brutally kill all of these characters that we've come to know and love. Uh, for the first time in this For the film. first time in this Sunspot! Yeah. Sunspot! The fire dude is Sunspot! Sunspot. Uh, in fact, no one cares about. Yep. Nope. And then, um... But, uh, actually they didn't, because Ellen Page, uh, manages to send Bishop's consciousness back in time to warn them that the Sentinels would be coming there, and thus make sure that they wouldn't actually be there. Using a power which I believe has never been established never before been established. in this universe. Her, nope. Okay. Her, her power... She, able, she, she used to be able to phase through matter, which she can still she phases do. through time. Yeah. But only backwards. Only backwards. Well, so is this, not necessarily. She might be able to send him forward. We don't know. Is this a power that would be familiar to fans of the comics? In the da- so Days of Future Past is a an iconic comic story, which plays out uh, according to some of the beats of this film. It's a loose adaptation, but in yeah. the story, Kitty Pride, Ellen Page's character, sends her own consciousness back to her younger self. Okay. Which is still a stretch given yeah. what her powers are, but it's no, it's no, it's no less. I mean, it's not Scarlet Witch yeah. bad level of like just but, bullshit. But yeah, what's your powers? Well, my powers are my powers. <laughs> but the thing, the thing that's strange about that though is like, you know, if assuming that Ellen Page, you know, was available and wanted to, you could easily make Ellen Page be, you know, one of the main characters. She could still go back in time and hook up with Wolverine. You could still have Wolverine be but the she main would be character. Too young. Right? I mean, wouldn't she be too oh, long? Right. Yeah, she wouldn't, she wouldn't have been born yet. So, yeah. All right. All right. There we go. So that, that brings up a good point. Take it with so my noodle. In, in, the next, in the next scene, uh, aging X-Men, uh, Professor X, who we saw alive at the end of the Wolverine, but never really got a cogent explanation for why. Because um, <laughs> he was in that body at oh, the yeah, end of the Oh, yeah, he was in the body of his yes. heretofore the, unknown the, identical twin. They established in like a two-second scene, and then 
reference in the post credit scene. Oh, thank God. Hillary had that. absolutely no idea what was going on, and I had to. I still don't, and I've seen that movie like three times. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Professor X, Magneto, uh, Wolverine, and Storm, who's like. I wish they had committed to full Mohawk for Storm because I know working for her. Yeah. They had two different timelines, if not in the bad future, in the good future. Yeah. Have her have the Mohawk in the good future. That's how we know it's the good future. Exactly. Anyway, they show up at this Chinese temple where all those mutants we just saw get killed are now based and have a conversation about let's let's use Ellen Page's heretofore unmentioned powers to send someone back in time to change history and prevent the rise of the Sentinels. And the inciting incident that gave rise to the Sentinels was when Mystique, uh, who it's really weird seeing Patrick Stewart talk about how close they were and how much he loved her when there was no indication of that in, in the films that Patrick oh, yeah. Stewart was in. Oh, no, yeah, never. But... Um, Mystique killed the man who designed the Sentinels, Dr. Bolivar Trask. Previously, Amazing name. Yes, it's an incredible yes. name. Previously played by Bill Duke in X-Men The Last Stand. Here played in which by, he was here, not assassinated in the 70s. Yep. Here, yes. here played by dead ringer Peter Dinklage, <laughs> filling the role. And it's really convenient that this horrible future has such a clear, unambiguous, inciting incident. It all happened in 1973. We only have to change this one thing. Yep. Yeah, and even though we could send, you know, we could theoretically send Wolverine back to any point in his timeline, like before World War II. Yeah, um, let's, let's, let's just let's, give let's him a couple days. Let's just send it back to the 70s. Yep. Yeah. Um, not before JFK, not before yeah. Hitler. So, you, so you could have sent him back in time and killed Bolivar Trask as a child, and yes. then you never would have designed the Sentinels, and we would have avoided this entire problem. Yeah. Or well, he could have just like shown I, up I early like, on, just like stopped the fallout between everyone. Like, just yeah, he had options. Yeah. I feel like the uh, the thought experiment of would you go back and kill Hitler as a child is actually fundamental to the the plot of this film. Would you go back and, and save Bolivar Trask as a child? Well, but the the question has already been answered by Mystique because she did kill. She did try to kill Hitler before he did the bad things. She killed Trask before he was able to, like, go on with stuff. But it didn't stop the problems. But like, she she was not a time. Still... She wasn't a time traveler then. No, I'm just yeah. saying like you have yeah, a character who was written to be as bad as Hitler. Yeah, and but also, you know that his intentions think... are Hitler-esque. Yeah. So, but also she... I think I think one of the fundamental parts of the uh, of the would you kill Hitler scenario as like it's a time travel brain off. teaser but also but also like what about the unintended consequences and this seems to be a movie where like it's like a preposterously stable time travel where like nothing is like rippling into the present and you know yeah. they solve everything and it's entirely perfectly fine well so uh, on that note though we we do have to get to the time travel and originally uh, ellen page can't go because she wasn't born yet and Professor X, reverse fetus. Yep. And Professor X can't go because he's not marketable enough. So the character that gets yeah. to go back in time is everyone's favorite, Wolverine. Well, I, I think mean, it's probably they... a good decision on their part because if if you think about all the previous X Men films, I don't think we've had one that was centered around Wolverine yet. <laughs> <laughs> it was really his time to shine. I mean. I mean, that's, uh, that's obviously, like, the correct and cynical reading on it. But I think the movie does a reasonably good job of showing why just why it's justifiable that, you know, his healing yes. powers yeah. are useful for this. They did write There's another a reason they said, where it makes sense to have Wolverine at the center of it. And they, well, they I mean, use yeah. it to yeah. fairly... It's not like they go, you're the most popular! 
They, they used it to pretty good dramatic effect as well to establish yeah. kind of some of some of his memories of, of what his past is, and also uh, kind of the condition that he is in when when he does go back vis-a-vis his skeleton. Yeah. I, you also got to justify that Jackman paycheck. You got to yeah. justify Jackman's workout regimen, too. Yeah, <laughs> oh my it's God. interesting that he is the only one that they have not established a younger actor for. They haven't brought on anyone to play younger Wolverine. So I, I wonder if they're even going to have a, a Wolverine in future X-Men films for a while. Uh, I would uh, imagine they may be retiring for a movie or two, but I, they're going to have another Wolverine at some oh, point. Oh, yeah, eventually. But it, I'm, I am excited by the fact that he is retiring because I think it will give the, the uh, films an opportunity to evolve. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I never saw Apocalypse. Does he have a lot of a role in that? It didn't seem like it from no, the advertising. He, he has once. He literally shows up in one scene and barely says anything because he's all like feral and just oh. rah and kills a bunch of people. Uh, okay, sure. I forgot that he was even in it. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert: Wolverine goes rah and kills a lot of people. Good for him. <laughs> so. Like in every other movie he's in. So we uh, we decide that we're going to send Wolverine back in time, but by we I mean the characters in the film. Even, even though <laughs> Professor X has the most powerful brain in the world, his brain could only stretch so far before it snaps. He's an old man. Um, so Wolverine is going to go back in time, and he his mission going back is to recruit Xavier and Magneto to stop Mystique from killing Trask. Um, and we're, we're given vague clues as to Xavier saying, I was not the man who you know now. And Magneto saying, well, I'm, I'm in a difficult place. It's complicated. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, we could tell you, but like, they, you know. They are incredibly unhelpful. Yeah. Yeah, it really doesn't make any I'm sense. Depressed in, I'm depressed in the expansion. He's in jail. Yeah. We could be easier about this, but eh. We need you to accomplish this task as quickly as possible because we're going to have to hold you stable in the past the entire time that you're trying to do this yeah. thing. But we're not going to formulate a plan before we send you back. You're on your own. Yep. Just go go get it done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So Wolverine gets sent back in time, or his consciousness does, into his younger body where he has uh, his bone calls. He doesn't have adamantium. We are told immediately that this is the 1970s because there's a lava lamp and everyone's dressed like a pimp. Yes. <laughs> and he is—he's just been sleeping with the boss's daughter. Yeah, the boss's daughter apparently. of all people, um, as everyone did in the Gwen. 70s. Yep, he punctures a waterbed. Yeah, um, <laughs> water because you see, it's the seventies. It's the seventies. I wonder if a waterbed is comfy at all. Uh, it seems like it wouldn't be. They are not. They're never... not the worst thing you can sleep on. I've slept on one a few times. What's the worst thing you've ever slept on, dude? Oh. Uh, uh, the either the floor of an airport or my own bag in a bus station terminal. <laughs> no, no, actually, it was the love seat downstairs, and I woke up with a cricket in my neck that didn't go away for two days. I could barely move. Oh no! But how did the cricket get in your neck? <laughs> okay, so we're in the seventies. Uh, cut to a congressional hearing where uh, Boulevard Trask, played by Peter Dinklage, such is, a good day. Yeah, is making his case for the Sentinel program to uh, the uh, guy who played the studio head in Barton Fink. Thank uh, you. I was trying to place him. Yep. <laughs> uh, and the, the senator guy who played the studio head in Barton Fink. Yeah. 
Um, and he is using Xavier's doctoral dissertation as justification for attacking uh, mutants and building these sentinels. And so, Derek, uh, Nick, I hope you're being cognizant of what your dissertations may one day be used for. <laughs> I really desperately wanted anyone on that congressional panel to, to, to just tell him that, well, actually, the, uh, the Neanderthals didn't just disappear overnight. Homo sapiens did not, did not just murder them all. They interbred for centuries, and, and so were eventually weeded out by natural evolution. Uh, they, yeah. they also evolved alongside them for thousands of years, so it's not like Homo sapiens just appeared overnight the way mutants did. And then Bolivar Trask could be like, well, regardless, we should kill them. And then we could move on. <laughs> I've also, I've I just want to be mutant that... power is to, like, explain the plot holes away. The explainer! <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining. I it's a, it, no, no, it's it's uh, his name is Exposition. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want someone to go, Mr. Trask. Dang. Are you an engineer? <laughs> he's a, he's a the most the most yeah, ridiculous a, part of that. The most ridiculous part of that scene is that anyone uh, sitting in on a congressional hearing, even a congressional staffer, could be bothered to to read. A, uh, a, dis- a PhD dissertation about an Oxford student. <laughs> By an obscure Oxford student. Yes. Yeah. They um, read the abstract at best. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. It's possible he was reading the abstract. That might be part <laughs> of it. The abstract. Also, now I'm imagining somebody using my uh, master's thesis to justify giant robots to murder everyone at the CW. Oh, believe me. Over a long time, every Mary dissertation gets used as, as uh, justification for Jeff. Not the cast of Riverdale! <laughs> I guess they'll use my dissertation to justify going back to block booking and vertical integration and studio <laughs> system. I mean, if you gotta robots. go by that, they're gonna use my... Ma- well, I didn't have a thesis, I had a master's portfolio, but... I guess that means Westerns are in trouble now? I don't know. The Westerns have been in trouble, the for, Westerns a while, been in trouble for a long time, yeah. I know, that's why I'm not trying to sell that script. Um, okay, so we get information that tells us that Trask has been experimenting on mutants, including basically the cast of the last film. Pretty uh, much, yeah. Who are conveniently dead and no longer being paid now. Uh, except, no one needs to pay Kevin Bacon anything. Except for uh, Alex Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops' older brother, who is now in Vietnam, uh, which made me think... For one scene. Which made me think of uh, what I'm hoping for is a scene in a future film where Alex is driving a car with Scott in the passenger seat really fast and saying, just like fucking Saigon, right, Scott? And Scott gets to say, I was in junior high, dickhead. Um... <laughs> And uh, we also have there uh, a young version of William Stryker, uh, who was previously played by uh, Dead Ringers Brian Cox and uh, <laughs> Danny Houston. <laughs> this, this guy is like plausibly a young, very fit Brian Cox. He is not plausibly a young Danny Houston. No. <laughs> yeah, no. But I, I, when they cut back, when they have the flashbacks or flash forwards, however you want to think about uh, Wolverine temporarily. It's all the shots of Brian Cox's William Stryker, right? Yes. I yes. think? Yes, it is. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think probably because more people saw that film than saw yeah. this. Yes. Um, or have not also, watched it Also, I think at the time, Danny Houston had, was on a TV gig. 
Uh, he might have been like on one of them American Horror Stories. He's on yeah, American Horror Story. But I think it's all. I think it was all archival footage. Yeah. Wasn't oh, it? then never mind. Ignore me. Yeah. Just Brian, ignore me for the rest of the podcast. Brian Cox, <laughs> like we do in our text chains. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that one time I got erased from the podcast. What? What? Oh yeah, you did. Because <laughs> you didn't record your audio. Ha ha! Well, you said some really racist things. We couldn't let it hurt the brand. <laughs> so you we weren't really erased on... so much as, much like the mutants in the beginning of this film, you were never there to begin with. Yeah. Oh. You just went off on Cyprus for some reason. It was Patrick, so weird. Patrick went back in time to warn himself about appearing on that episode. <laughs> uh, okay, and there's also uh, Young Toad there. Uh, not Toad from Super Mario Brothers. Toad from the first no. X-Men film. I thought that was Toad. Yeah. Oh, crazy! Oh, no! It's Toad and Ink and one who is just called Mutant Soldier. They didn't even bother to come up with a soldier, a soldier name. That's, probably, his, the guy that's with his code name. Yeah, his code, Maybe. Name, his code name is Mutant Soldier. Mutant Soldier. Um... So Mystique comes into because he's actually not a soldier. <laughs> Monster That's Island is actually a, a peninsula. He's a sailor. It's weird. Um, Mystique, he hates it when you call him a soldier. Mystique I mean, he might have been in. a marine, given it's the uh, Vietnam. Mystique then he'd want to be called in. a marine. Mystique actually, Jennifer Lawrence in. comes in. Jennifer Lawrence comes in um, to try to rescue these mutants, and she beats up Stryker, and Stryker's trying to st- stick with her, and he's all like, I'm going to take you down. And she's like, no, you're not, because I'm an Oscar winner. You're some scrub. Um, and <laughs> She don't want no scrubs. Break, yeah, breaks these mutants out. Um Gets them on a plane to fly out of the movie unharmed while, while her war, a.k.a. the rest of the film, uh, continues. We are not even, like, it out of the first act yet, no, people. We're still for, yeah. yeah, in the next scene, we meet young Xavier yeah. and Beast. <laughs> God, this movie, oh, this movie so takes forever. There's a lot, of, a lot of things going on. So, and yet, uh, I, th- I still think it's the second best of these X-Men movies. It's probably fair. Um... <laughs> It's not a good series. Wolverine uh, goes to visit the X-Mansion, which he finds in a decaying <laughs> state. Yeah, at this point it is an X-Mansion. Um, it's a fucking like, English manor house out in the middle of uh, upstate New Westchester, York. New York. Yep. Um, so he goes to try to find Xavier. He finds uh, Beast looking suspiciously unbeastly until he is punched. Uh, at which point he becomes beastly because Beast apparently is like a werewolf now, but not a full moon werewolf, more like a Michael J. Fox teen wolf werewolf. Um, he's the Hulk. Yeah, he's, no. he's, he's fuzzy blue Hulk, yeah. Um, and he finds Xavier, uh, James McAvoy Xavier, walking around, doing a lot of drinking, and basically doing heroin, uh, and with no mutant powers, and uh, wearing his bathrobe all over the place. He's not in a good way. And hair, he's got hair still. Yep. Uh, Lots we, of it. We Long, get... beautiful hair. Yes. <laughs> Shining, streaming, gleaming, glass also, and glass. He, can, he can walk because of a, an injection. Yep. And he never uses again for the so rest of his life. So this injection, let me just be clear here. The injection does the following. It cures Beast of his beastliness, but it also represses Professor X's powers, but it also lets Professor X walk. Yes. It's like this injection just does fucking everything. Also, at the very it end... It just sends you back in time to a point before you had the problems you have now. Also, at the oh. very end of the movie, when Beast is about to get killed by a sentinel, he injects himself with a serum, and apparently the serum makes it so that the X gene is no longer detectable. Yeah. Well, that's Any very who... convenient. So we get the story about why Xavier is so broken down, and it's basically, ah, he was so broken down by, you know, Mystique leaving him, 
And then, got shot by, in the back. and then by Magneto. Yeah, I mean, Disney also has some PTSD do? from the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yep, and, and shot Nam. Back. But yeah, but what really broke him was was uh, seeing people get drafted to go to Nam. That's, yeah, that's what broke. At JFK, we JFK. We bring up JFK several times. Yeah, yeah, because you know we have to ground this film in period detail because and it's this, that Stephen King movie. Yeah, this show. actually this uh, brings me to a point about the film. Um, so in X Men First Class, Matthew Vaughn did not shoot the film as a '60s film, but yes. he shot the film in a modern style in an environment that was plausibly the 60s. The, from yes. set design to costume design. Um, to vernacular. New to vernacular. powers. Yeah. Uh, Brian Singer does not commit to this here. At no point does this feel like it's the 70s. Oh, God, no. Down to the point where the Richard Nixon impersonator looks way more like Chris Christie than he does Richard Nixon. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> I he really Andy does. Garcia. I didn't There's make a lot of Andy Garcia happening in that Nixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like you know, like they some of the haircuts and the costuming sort of goes like, oh yeah, that's a '70s look. But like, yeah, no, it's it's a very lazy '70s. Yeah, it's people uh, cosplaying '70s. Exactly, it's yes. every, everyone's dressed as Huggy Bear. It's um, like they could have called the people who did Mad Men, but then they figured I'd have to pick up the phone and yeah. push numbers, <laughs> and that seems like work. They figured, well, we had January Jones in the last film, and that didn't work out, so we should. <laughs> <laughs> um. They okay. Did not. Uh, Mystique disguises herself as Trask, breaks into Trask's office to steal data about the Sentinel program. I bring this up only because in Trask's office there is a, a mind-boggling portrait of Trask <laughs> standing next to a one-legged girl in a wheelchair holding a robot leg and staring off into the future. This was the only believably 70s thing in the film. <laughs> I yeah, like to yeah. think that was Peter Dinklage's one requirement yeah, for I'll taking this I'll do the film, part. but oh I have to be able to take this home. I will never forgive him if he did not get to keep that painting. <laughs> like I just, I just imagine that like he knocked on the, he just came into his apartment or his house. He lives in New York, so he probably has an apartment. He's like, "Sweetie, you'll never believe what I got from the X Men shoot." And she just turns around. And he's just carrying in this boat painting. I like to believe. I like to I believe like, that Brian Singer, when interviewing for him for the film, went to Dinklage's house, saw that portrait, and said, "Can I put that in the film?" Oh, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, have we considered the possibility that this is a pre-existing painting? It's from the Dinklage collection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and while we're on her infiltration, one of my big pet peeves throughout this movie is that Mystique is constantly shifting out of her disguises for no good reason. Oh, yes, usually yeah. early. Well, yeah. yeah. Like, um, this entire infiltration, there's this whole, like, oh, my God, she's going to get caught. It was like, just be fucking Trask the entire time, and then there's no problem. Then when someone walks but, into your office and sees Trask there, no one thinks of anything. That's where you're supposed to be. But then Peter Dinklage is the one on screen, and it's not Jennifer Lawrence in a blue bodysuit, which is really but, what the filmmakers want to have on point. screen. He's got a good point. But, yes. The one that but, I find so the Peter Dinklage may have several Emmys, but he's not in a blue bodysuit. Yeah. <laughs> The one that I found found the weirdest though was right after she rescues all those mutants from Vietnam. She turns yeah, around. She's disguised as a as a guy in a military uniform, yes. and then to get away in Nam, she turns into Jennifer Lawrence in a military uniform. No one totally totally yeah. totally innocuous in Nam. Yeah. By the way, like, I just like, just and, a, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, just, just as an interesting programming note, the reason she, um, Jennifer Lawrence, is so rarely in the blue outfit is that it, fun fact, blue uh, blue, uh, blue uh, body paint is actually super toxic. Mm. 
So that's why they use it as little as possible. That's why Rebecca Romaine hasn't been in a lot of things in recent years. Actually, no. If you if you ever watched Farscape, the reason that the character who was Blue Zahn vanishes oh. in the season three is that the her doctor literally said, "You have got to stop doing this, or you could die." Mm. Blue body paint is super toxic. It's like the first uh, the first Tin Man. Yeah, Buddy Ebsen. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, how they uh, how they killed that woman in Goldfinger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Although skin suffocation, telling me that we did not see her in blue body paint a lot in this movie, but it definitely felt like she was constantly fucking shifted into that uh, yeah. into that version of herself. Uh, I I do have a really big problem with this whole Trask infiltration infiltration scene. So this is his building, right? He owns this company. He founded this company. He built this building. This is his personal private office. Everything in it is sized for. A, a normally sized adult <laughs> yeah. nothing in it is sized oh for him and th- literally he would not be able to reach the documents that she is pulling out of his safe yeah no i had the, i had the same notice like the like the document with like all the like dead photos yes. of the mutants is that like yes. perfect height in the, for the most for Jennifer Lawrence to reach a little bit up to get it that's at yes. least a foot and a half above anywhere that whole that reason. whole floor should look like the the middle floor from being john malkovich like at the very least, no his files should be accessible to himself. Maybe yeah. Bill. Okay, hear me out. Maybe Bill Duke is playing the elder Mister Trask and Peter Dinklage's son. And <laughs> okay, Bill Duke so he's built Bill, the company. Bill Trask. Sure, he's a uh, Bolivar Trask Junior. He exactly. just needs the Junior off. Yeah, little bully Trask. <laughs> okay, I'm that could you. be. I'm with I, you. I, I, accept, I accept this uh, head cannon. We're about forty-five minutes into this film. Jesus Christ. You mean into the podcast or into the film? Into the film. Okay, <laughs> okay so now they, they they talk to Xavier and they get him. Wolverine kind of gets him on his side by telling him, oh, we can save Raven and all this stuff. Uh, but to do that, they have to get Magneto. And where is Magneto? Magneto is in a prison directly below the centermost point of the Pentagon. 100 floors down. 100 floors down for killing JFK. Yes. Yes, uh, and they kept him alive. Yep. Oh, did yeah. he? Now, hey, remember that time that uh, in in first class when they taught him how to use his powers, and he he kept uh, stretching how far away he could do them until he could turn that like satellite dish on the yeah, horizon. Yeah, I think I remember so, that. See, is a hundred floors like? I mean, is that the limit? Can he just never go beyond that? It's just yeah. impossible for him to try. No, I mean, because he's got a lot down there, so he's probably pretty distracted. So he's probably I feel not like, trying I feel like this movie to reach plays, farther and farther away. He's he needed a vacation. Pretty fast and loose with how his powers work. Yes, like all the movies. this movie, I think all actually is the worst. All the movies, I will agree, this one's the worst yeah. for reasons we'll get to near the end. Yeah. 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 Um, also, why you do know. they why do they have to walk his food into the room? Why can't they just drop it down a slot that's a hundred floors tall? <laughs> Just a dumbwaiter. Just a dumbwaiter. Yeah. A dumbwaiter, yeah. Just pour some slop in a hole. Like, He's the motherfucker who killed Kennedy. Why are we keeping him alive? Don't let those guys live. Yeah, yeah. They killed Kennedy, and he tried to stop it. Okay, so, yeah, we'll we'll jump ahead a second. Still, they're pinning it on him. Just fucking kill him. Okay, so, but two two points. Okay, three points on this. Number one, they're pinning it on him, but... Apparently, the Warren report still came out in this timeline and was not in it that, oh, this guy killed, it was this mutant that killed Kennedy. So apparently, the cover up's still on, despite the fact that they have a patsy. It's a double cover up. Yes. Exactly. 
Yes. Uh, We're also covering up the fact that JFK is immune. Okay, was that, immune. that was getting that was what I was going to get to. So yeah. number two is Magneto uh, apparently tried to save JFK, but mm-hmm. they still killed him. Which I'm curious how that worked. We don't get the the rest of the story about how that worked. And number three, apparently JFK was a mutant. Any speculation on what his powers might have been? Inspiration, handsomeness, <laughs> fucking Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Wait, That's a mutant power so several people had then. The Cuban Missile Crisis that we saw in the previous film. Kennedy, but maybe Kennedy yeah. was president during the Cuban Missile Crisis. What? No, but yeah. in this was was he first class as the president? He was not in first class, but presumably he was still the president. So yeah. they have chosen the they've chosen the the plot of this film or part of the plot of this to sort of uh, as a fulcrum for it the the, the president who was president during the previous film yeah but they didn't use him at all in the previous film nope no and now they're gonna call him a mutant now they're gonna call him a mutant i feel yes. like this is some episode one stuff where they're just like you know what let's just write whatever we want it doesn't have to meet up with episode four when we're done with it no one's gonna care <laughs> what are you talking about it worked out so perfectly leia has memories of her mom from that time she died from the broken heart at the moment she gave birth I could rant at you for ten minutes about other examples, but we're not going to do that on this. Podcast. Please don't. We, we if we if we try to discuss the if we try to get too deep in the timeline weeds, I got shit to do, guys. Well, yeah. I mean, we could get real deep into the weeds on this one. We definitely should not get into the weeds on Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, or Star, Star Trek, Trek Episode else. One. <laughs> I, I, Star like, I got Trek to you, guys. I cannot get that deep into those weeds. Anyway, All so right. JFK was a mutant. Uh, I'm going to sure, say his superpower is uh, he had the ability to make hats disappear. Um, oh, there you go. Oh. Yeah. Um, that's good. There you go. Okay. What so. if that was your whole power? <laughs> you can't. You can't put them anywhere else. They're just gone. Oof. You can't make anything else disappear. Yeah. That's not that what your powers can do for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it limited to things that are designed to be hats? Like you make a hat. You can make it disappear. You put something what on if, your head and it becomes a hat. Johnny Appleseed's pot. Poof. Okay. But does it have to be, have been put on the head? So can he make hats disappear that were like in the factory that have never no. been worn by no. a person? A hat on okay, so is not, not yet a hat. It's not a hat until it has been used as a hat. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Then it's just a hat-shaped object. Exactly. I love, so, I love that we're really respecting Patrick's time here. Yeah. Oh, yeah sorry. <laughs> Anywho. Okay. So they need to break Magneto out of the Pentagon. In order to do this, Wolverine, he knows a guy. He goes to enlist uh, uh, Quicksilver. Uh, Yay! Who, yeah, yeah, he's... he's uh, no, he basically too. looks like a young Doc Brown with goggles on. Yeah, that's yes. accurate. Uh, and he runs really fast and is kind of an asshole. Yeah, he's the best part of the movie. Yeah. Yes. Remember this character. He will be showing up again inexplicably in a completely different universe. Yeah. yeah Don't ask questions. Well. And he won't be in the rest of this movie because he could trivialize pretty much everything you can do because super I mean, speed is like the best power. Super speed is pretty much the most broken of all powers. Oh yeah, no. Super super speed fixes every problem. So we are treated to uh, a, a genuinely genuinely fun sequence uh, where they are trying to break Magneto out of the Pentagon. We get a lot of super speed action mm-hmm. including uh, the, the very well known time in a bottle scene where Quicksilver yeah, uses his powers. Yes. It, was yes. and to, it was so much fun. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uses his powers to save people's lives, but mostly to prank people. Yes. Um, and to taste some flying soup or goulash or something. So is he, 
Is he always going super speed, or is it like is he triggering it? Because I was that, just wondering while thinking about like this time in a bottle scene, like that's like him experiencing like three, like a half a second over three minutes. Is that just how he experiences time? I think he probably turns it on and off the way anyone else turns on and off their powers. Uh, what but, bothers me though is that he's... why why are powers turn offable? Well. You learn to control them. I mean, the same yeah, way. Yeah, it's that like in the same way that you're. Ice man isn't just yeah. constantly projecting a force field of ice around himself all the time. Yeah, you're not always moving at top speed. Um, right, like and, and like Cyclops, like Cyclops. The reason Cyclops can't do anything with his eyes is that he literally has brain damage. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I mean, his father it. was abducted by yeah, aliens. I mean, think of it like but. any human power. Like you, you aren't always getting up and running. That's something you choose to do. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about his perception. You all know that I don't like, go, you guys don't know that I don't walk anywhere. It's not just that he's moving super fast, but also that time effectively slows down for him. It's the perception. And I'm, yeah, yes. but like, why, well, why, why is his perception of time effect, like, like when I, when I'm running, it's not as though uh, my perception of times changes. So I'm just wondering, like, is his perception of time always stuck that way? I bet that because he always it's could a be relativity running. thing where it probably happens so little for you that you wouldn't notice it because yeah. you're not moving at the speeds that are extreme enough to notice the difference. It's also possible. I'm overthinking this. Also yes, possible. but can, yes. can I have a, I have a big problem with what happens in the basement. So he's playing table tennis with himself because he can't, and obviously, sure. but then he goes to play pong. But he's playing uh, pong super fast, yeah, and he should not be able to do that yeah, because pong, pong has pong limits. Does, yeah. Anything that that uh, is uh, computer guided would only be able to operate at the speed that it operates at. Maybe he's so able, he to able to transfer speed because we he know that he plays video games to see, slow down. There's a there's a force of speed. We'll call it some kind the of fast speed. force. Fast force. <laughs> fast force. Fast force. I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> um, Do we want to talk about how he? How Eric, how, um, I keep calling him Eric, Magneto deals with the fact that he, he realizes this is his son. I, I mean, does, to be, to be fair, actually, in the credits, Eric and uh, Charles are the younger ones. Magneto and uh, Dr. Xavier Professor are the X. older two. Oh, so, to, oh. to, to, be, to be fair, Michael Fassbender does not play Magneto. He plays Eric. Probably because and, when like, they I, were I, writing the script, they did not want to be writing young Magneto, old Magneto, young Magneto, old yeah, Magneto. Yeah. But also, I think pretty. I'm not sure anybody calls him Magneto in the past. Uh, or, the, or at least not very often. Like they're definitely yeah. they're definitely talking Charles, Charles, Logan, Hank. Um, well, they don't Peter, use code names very often. Which I appreciate because I fucking yeah. hate when they do that for whatever. No, reason. the X Men in particular have no reason to be calling each other code names, which gets yeah. back to uh, our favorite line in X Two: "What's your real name?" Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I brought it back, guys. I, uh, I, I liked that when he asked him, or when he mentions, like, "Oh, my, my mom knew a guy who could do that." Uh, then they cut to the end of the elevator ride. So you don't know what they continued to talk about during the rest of that elevator. That's true. I will say, I want to give just a little shout out to Michael. I, so like, I, the actors in this movie are all fantastic. Like, I really, everyone here is doing a great job for what they have. And Michael Fast, the look on Michael Fassbender's face when he hears that line really does kind of almost make the entire movie worth it because yeah. he has this great look of, I am not prepared to deal with this. Yeah, I am yeah. prepared to deal with this. How many? Now, but I am not ready to deal with this level of responsibility. You could have also dropped like the 
boing sound <laughs> the other highlight of this entire sequence that I want to mention is when Charles demonstrates that he went to the Kevin Klein School of Espionage by saying that he is here from the like C-F-B-D-A-F-I-C yes uh, before we move on one quick question yeah. um, when they when they go to get Quicksilver uh, his sister is around and his mom tells his sister to go play with your sister Yes. Is there another Maximoff child? Yes, there is. There is. Yes, there are three Maximoffs. Oh! Is that the younger one? Probably the youngest. I feel like Polaris is a half... Magneto is her father, or was if there haven't been a shitload of retcons now. I mean, technically these days, technically these days, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch aren't even Magneto's kids. Of course not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't think too much about it. Your head no, no. will explode. It was, it was just, that's just Marvel slighting Fox for going, ha! You think you got me? Like, if we get too far down, down that road, we got to start talking about Nazi Captain America, and I do not want to talk about Nazi Captain Let's Cap not talk America. about Nazi you're, Captain you're America. You don't want to brought it up. Anywho. <laughs> um, so, we are uh, now flying to Paris, uh, because... Uh, we're going to go stop Mystique from killing Trask at the signing of the Paris Peace Accords. Because yes. Vietnam, yo! Um, we get a fun sequence on a plane where Magneto almost crashes the plane that they're on because he's being pissy. Uh, leading to my favorite line in the film, which is after Magneto has thrown a goddamn fit, yes. Wolverine looks at him and says, you're going to pick that shit up? <laughs> yes. That is that the is best great. line in the film. That is great. That is, you can that, be an that, asshole all you want, but... We're not picking up your shit for you. Yeah. I, I, I will say one of my favorite parts of, like, this, just to kind of get ahead of this, I don't necessarily know if this movie works as a whole, but it has some amazing pieces. And one of the things I love is, like, older Wolverine just having no time for Charles and Eric's pissy bullshit. Listen to me, you yeah. fantastic. Because, <laughs> like, he literally, he's so used to seeing them as, like, and, and seeing and thinking of them as he's, like, wise old learned man. And he's just like, Oh my god, you two were the worst yeah. as young people. You were just the worst. You yeah. are awful. <laughs> and I am so bored by all of you already. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he goes back and he realizes that they're uh, they're all just regular George McFly's instead of the cool guys that he thought they knew. Mm-hmm. And he's got to get them to punch Biff, aka history. Your your analogy <laughs> makes it sound as though uh, Marty thought his dad was really cool and then went back in time and discovered he was a dork. Which what are you talking about? about? <laughs> what are you talking about? He, he loved peanut what? brittle. No man who loves peanut brittle <laughs> would be uh, all bad. I think perhaps the only time outside of a can of snakes have I ever seen a reference to peanut brittle. <laughs> Wait a minute. Have you never had peanut brittle? Have you never been to a Cracker Barrel? Uh, I've had peanut brittle, but like a pop culture reference to it. No, I've never been to a Cracker Barrel. He grew up in Massachusetts. Yeah, he yeah he's oh, one yeah, of those coastal crackers. elites. Do yeah. they have peanut brittle at Cracker Barrel? Yes, yeah. they do. Yes. Yep. Say that eight times. Any fast. kind of old time. Any so picture gingham. Okay, do you know what gingham is? Maybe <laughs> you don't. But you know when gingham is from? Anything that's from that era, you can get at Cracker Barrel. Isn't gingham like a platy kind of pattern? Yes, Dorothy's dress in the Wizard of Oz. Yep. Okay. But Cracker Barrel, by the way, also amazing selection of of old timey radio on audio tape. Yeah, and you can get cast iron. Wait, there's stuff there that isn't food. I thought Cracker Barrel was just a restaurant. No, 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 it's so much more. Yeah, we need Nick. Next time we're we're together, we need to introduce you to the majesty of the Cracker Barrel. 
It's have delicious. You, yeah. uh, well, that means we specifically have to plan our next group excursion to somewhere where there is a Cracker Barrel. You should probably go see a doctor beforehand and make sure your heart can handle eating a Cracker yes. Barrel meal. Matter of fact, yeah. I think all of us should do our Cracker Barrel physical. You, you should check your blood gravy count. <laughs> Frankly, it is a, given that I grew up around that area, it's a miracle I'm as skinny as I am. Yeah, yeah. Cracker Barrel you was a... bastard. When we would do hockey road trips. Cracker Barrel was a semi-regular stop. I'm also older than all of you. This episode brought to you, you by Cracker Barrel. I thought I was older than you. No, you're older than me. We just have, we've established this. I'm the second okay. oldest. The best is the baby. He's am a I? baby. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, you're the baby by like a month and a half. All right. Um, anyway, anyway, Cracker Barrel. Point is, your old children. You so we're back to the Paris Peace Accords. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I love Cracker Barrel to Paris. This, this is, is well. Now I guess it's after we. So this is, hasn't killed the guy yet. With her, or not killed the guy. Not the guy out with her. Him. Basically, she's about to kill him, and then like Magneto and everyone's about to save the day. And then Stryker, who was in Vietnam but now is in Paris, because why not? And, and this is this is happening. This is happening Trask at a meeting Trask. where Trask is trying to sell the South Vietnam or the North North Vietnamese um, on the Sentinel program, and he's demonstrating mutant issue, I guess. Yep, and Stryker works for Trask. Yeah, he was uh, in Vietnam to get those mutants for research. Yep. So we also mean, Vietnam's over. This is the Paris uh, Accords. Yeah. yeah that, that which is what Henry Kissinger brokered before he dropped his glasses on the toilet. Can I? Can <laughs> I just? Can I just say I understand intellectually why they wrote this plot around the seventy-three Paris Peace Accords. You like do? It, it makes it, it, it makes a certain amount of sense given like the plot of the film. Yeah. But it, it's kind of odd that they chose um such I mean it's not an obscure event, but it's not an event that like many at least yeah. American audience members are gonna have uh, like a clear set of imagery yeah. for it's not or the Cuban they're not gonna they're not gonna understand the stakes. Which yeah. makes yeah. me think, how would this movie have been different if they said it two years later with like helicopters leaving yeah. Saigon? I I would say I thought even, I was going to say during Watergate. Say yeah, I was going to say they have to you break. Mean, they she, have to break. She, assassin, she assassinated Trask at the Watergate Hotel. Imagine! Wow, we were writing a better movie as we speak. Yeah, yeah, she assassinates Trask at Watergate. Watergate. She, <laughs> Watergate. she leaves a little strip of tape on the door so it doesn't close properly. And the entire thing comes undone. And then the film ends with Nixon resigning in disgrace and Gerald Ford coming into office and Ford oh, no. sits down at his desk and his eyes flash and he's mystique. <laughs> oh, this is the work we would need. Oh. So wait, so this would require Nixon to be like a mutant sympathizer because presumably he would have sent the assassin to kill Trask. Yeah. So would we have we would have to make Nixon be a mutant? No. Uh, Ford, what's his power? Ford discovers yeah, that Nixon is a mutant. Nixon threatens to expose the fact that he is a mutant, yep. and so uh, that's how he gets pardoned, Mr. President. Ah. You're going to have to resign, or else we'll tell the world. Oh no, I can't tell the world about my horrible phlebitis. <laughs> Anywho, this was all like an hour, hour and a half, fifteen minute long uh, get uh, bid just to get Stefan to do his Nixon impersonation. Well, to be fair, it's my God, Nixon impression is the only thing I got from the American people. Yeah. Look at 
of Charleston True. <laughs> well, our Nixon impersonations are just the Futurama Nixon impersonation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is... Well, like I have spent, walking impression. It's all just I have spent far more time with that Nixon than any other Nixon. Well, certainly yes, then with the Nixon of reality who died when you were, what, five? <laughs> uh, I think I was like nine or ten. When did he die? I, I was nine or ten. Okay. I, I was eight then. Nineteen ninety-four. Yeah, I was ten years old. Yeah, I R- believe it happened, but no one mentioned it to me. Yep. RSVP. I remember when it happened. <laughs> I, I oddly remember I was at the bank with my parents when I found out. I don't know why. Why that would be a thing I remember, but I do. Where were you when Nixon died? <laughs> well, that was when I lived in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> That year, we were hiding in that uh, safe deposit box. <laughs> of course, we I was at the very same bank. So, spe- speaking of, of Nixon, now's the point where we actually formally introduce him into the film. Played by an actor who is, he's really, he, he is oh, Andy Garcia and Chris, Chris Christie's Christie. young, young love child, yeah. Um, uh, a man who who is an accomplished voice actor, and I'm sure that's why they hired him. Cause, but that cause motherfucker... Looks nothing like Nixon, and the makeup is not helping. John no. Cusack makes a does a better Nixon. I liked the uh, I liked the Nixon in uh, the two part episode of Doctor Who in the sixth season, where he was like a jolly avuncular figure. That is a good Nixon. Yeah. And then the implication at the end of the They'll episode is that you. the Doctor planted the ideas in his head that would cause him to become paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> I have no memory of this whatsoever. It's the hilarious. Every, do every, every time Nixon walks into the room in that episode, Hail to the Chief Place, it's like it's his entrance <laughs> music. It's fantastic. Well, I mean, that literally is the president's entrance this music. Must, this, it's just that this, this, he doesn't have to go off when he goes into the bathroom. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> yep. So um, Nixon is Nixon's back. And Nixon uh, declares, uh, based on uh, all this kerfuffle at the Paris Peace Conference, which ended with Magneto getting away and striking out on his own. Well, uh, he tried to kill Mystique. That's to pretty kill big. Mystique. He tries to kill Mystique. That's huge. Yep. Because yeah, Mystique, I feel like what they, what they do is go back in time to try and prevent Mystique from becoming a killer. Uh-huh. But th- it turns out that was not the real problem here. The problem is that Eric is a killer. And his immediate solution to every problem is to try and kill the person who is the problem. And he turns the people around him into killers. Yes. Uh, So she fell under his influence. And then I feel like the course of the film proves that outside of his influence, she like this movie is a redemption of her as well as Magneto. She's able to become the hero when she decides that she would rather sacrifice herself than you know, kill people or, I don't know, some damn thing. But also, yeah. I I don't give a shit about her at all. I don't find her a compelling character. And the fact that she ends up being like part of like the core triad of at least sort of the uh, the 1960s, 70s news. <laughs> it's like, I, I want it, to. Really? Her? I want to. Her? I want her? to. But... I want to like it because I do think it's an interesting idea. I just think that I, we the reason I have so much trouble is that problem we kind of touched on earlier, which is when Patrick Stewart says, we used to be very close. I'm like, 
really because a lot the, in the scenes all the scenes that you had together you acted as though you had never met each other before in your entire fucking lives i, I really so what it ultimately boils down to it's the same thing that happened with halle berry in the original x-men trilogy like they cast jennifer lawrence in x-men first class just as she was really becoming somebody and then between that film and this film she broke big in the yeah. same, like, she won her Oscar. Halle Berry won her Oscar between uh, the first and second X-Men movie. And then a part Hunger of Games, the second, like that, yeah. yeah, the part of the second film when they were writing it, it was like, well, okay, she's clearly got to be a bigger part because she's the hottest star that we have in the film. Um, And so may- maybe she gets kind of shoehorned into a spot that she, the character, not the actress, but the character shouldn't necessarily be in. Well, I feel like they probably chose Mystique because of the character's sex appeal, that she's the naked mutant. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in, yes. the, in the original trilogy, it was Rebecca Romaine who was like specifically cast for her sex appeal. Uh, yeah. she, she's not an accomplished actor so much. Yeah. And here they've, they've cast an accomplished actor, and I think they actually make her like bodysuit significantly more sexual than... I, I feel like this one is bustier than Rebecca Romaine's bodysuit was. I feel like they're really accentuating the curvy parts of it. But I feel like they shoot, they they shoot try it try to get a good actor. They shoot it differently, though. Like, I feel yes. like... I mean, she's, yeah, yeah, she's not she's not shot the same way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like and they, they actually try to play up, like, the character. But as with any character who's not uh, Professor X, or really not Magneto or Wolverine, there's just, they don't give them a lot to work with. They're not give it, given a lot of background or motivation or, like... Actual. I mean, I would argue that Magneto barely. I don't understand why Magneto does half the things he does in this movie. Is part of my part of my problem is that like I Magneto's behavior seems baffling, oftentimes. We'll get to why. Especially broken by the death of JFK. He's just a man (laughs) daydreaming through life. Well, I feel like the, the sleepwalking through life. That's the metaphor I'm looking for. Daydreaming through life. We'll also get to this in Apocalypse, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I think this is another problem I have sometimes with Magneto is that it feels like Magneto is tricky because they want him to be kind of a good guy, but he's also a bad guy. So yeah. they have to keep giving him new reasons why at the end of the last movie, when he kind of became a good guy, he's now a bad guy. So, like, he keeps having, like, random traumas that make him a bad guy again. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, it's has the... a, he has aborted redemption stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, going like going out of X2, it seems clear that we're not going to be dealing with Magneto again as the bad guy. You know, maybe he'll be involved in some ways. And then we get to Last Stand, and like, fuck, it's all just Magneto, and, like, the Phoenix just becomes an underling. And it's like, what are we doing here? Xavier, yeah, is, ca- Xavier is capable of reading minds, but he is still consistently tricked by Magneto's faux re- redemptions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, And I understand, like, why you would want to keep Magneto at the center of uh, the stories, just because, you know, he's a compelling character and you have two very good actors playing him. But change the fucking tune, X-Men movies. Come on. All right. Yeah. So let, I mean, that's consistently the problem. It's always Wolverine. But I think it's always like, Wolverine. It's always Magneto. It's just constantly. And they're, they're compelling characters, but when you do it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it, you know, there's a lot of other compelling characters that, you know, like go from being, you know, like, oh, this is sort of a charmingly 2D representation that, you know, maybe we'll see fleshed out to, oh, look, it's Storm and she was probably on set for one day. 
Yeah. yeah. Because why would she need to be here for anything? Uh, yeah, I I feel like because these movies are all plot, like they they talk about ideas some, but mostly their discussion of ideas is through the events that happen. And most of the discussion of character or like character motivation is expressed through their powers or they try to do that. Mm-hmm. And so whether Professor X is doing well or not is based on his relationship to his own powers. Okay, so uh, let's let's keep this, this train moving by oh, getting God. on the train where Magneto... I think there's still like an hour left of this movie at this point. Uh, yeah, we're about to get to the point where Magneto's power is just don't make any more sense. All okay. right, so rebar is a form of metal that is specifically constructed so that it can't bend. <laughs> yeah. Go on. And apparently, apparently putting metal inside the robot means that they'll listen to his voice commands. Yes. Yeah, but, I mean, he really bends that rebar all over Wolverine, and then sends him into a into the 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 Potomac. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Also, when he when he gets the vault out and he just manages to pull all the guns out, like, does he have a sense of where metal objects are? Does he have like metal telepathy? Because he no, just pulls them all out and like he doesn't pull all the metal out of the room he just fact, pulls the eight guns the out for that would be ferrokinesis is the ability to move metal with one's mind and ferroepathy would be the ability to sense metal with one's mind yep wouldn't that just be iron isn't ferro iron and ferroempathy would be the ability to be sensitive to metal with your mind waka 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 i think we just wrote a slash fiction about uh <laughs> magneto and some rebar or Magneto and the DC character Steel. Or Magneto and James Rebar, noted character actor. <laughs> James Rebar. Anyway. Uh, Actually, so he was the inventor of Rebar. Okay, so a few things happen, uh, which is the best way I can describe this film. A few things happen. Uh, <laughs> Magneto takes control of the Sentinels by lacing their bodies with railroad tracks. Yep. Uh, well, so he puts metal in there so that he can move them, right? Yep. yep. I mean, yeah, but he. he it seems to work better even than that because again they respond to voice commands is it possible that he's saying things out loud so that people know that he's the one ordering it even though they're not responding to his voice commands he's just controlling them possible for christ dude Uh, (laughs) anyway all things are possible through eric uh, the second thing that happens is uh nixon and trask are holding a big public display of the sentinels as a show of power and magneto uh, lifts RFK Stadium in the air in the D.C. suburbs and flies it in to D.C. and drops it around the White House. And that, kids, is why RFK Stadium is now located outside the White House. That's why you have to... Why, to- why does he do that? To trap guess, them? Like, what is, what is the reason for Ostentatiously, it's to trap everybody, but rfk stadium like most stadiums has doors one can go through to enter and exit so it's not really also bad. i i'm not i'm certainly no expert on the history of uh baseball franchises but i looked it up and the senators or the governors or whatever they were called at the time Senate. left washington in uh 1971 well, RFK, why was there a baseball stadium in uh 1973 why were they painting lines in the baseball stadium rfk, question. RFK functioned as the and may still function as the home field for the Redskins for a long time, but I don't know if they were there yet. 
I'm yeah. not totally familiar with. Uh, this is a job. Missing, uh, it was 1960, but well, they, they were probably wouldn't be paying baseball lines in the field. This is a job for Patrick looking up on Wikipedia. You're correct. So maybe I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe they didn't fucking bother to check when there was a baseball team. I have, I have an answer for every everyone. I have an answer for you. Is it a good one? Is it that I'm right? And let me see. Um, RFK Stadium was the home of the Washington Redskins from 1961 to 1996. It was also the home of the U.S. men's national soccer team uh, from 1977 to 2013. So, but it was a baseball. Apparently, what the Washington Whips was the soccer team, and uh, at some point, absolutely nobody was there between 1971 and 1974. In 1970, in 1971, it was the Washington Darts. They vanished. The Washington Diplomats were there from 1974. Uh, from guys, maybe we don't have to play a game. Maybe we can just work this out. <laughs> The Redskins were there from the 61 to 96, as were the George Washington Colonials. But I mean, it was it was clear it was a baseball diamond, right? I know I have no idea who any of these people are in DC, but that was demolished in '65. I mean, maybe it was just one like really, really earnest line straw guy. Baseball will be here again. (laughs) Yeah, it was like if you build it, they will come, and like. 30 years later, they got a uh, baseball right. team again. On his deathbed, he saw baseball leave Montreal and come to Washington. Oh, is this is Vince? Stadium cast Excelsior. This is a bunch of guys who don't all that know all that much about sports talking about sports. Wah, wah. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, I think probably Stefan of, of us knows the most. I probably know the most about sports of us. I, I think that's a fair statement. I, it's definitely not me. Take that, non-sporticans. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Magneto has dropped RFK Stadium around the White House. For reasons. Uh, he has taken control of the Sentinels. Um, he lifts a metal vault out of the White House that the president was hiding in. and drops The real it. president, not the fake president. Yep, president drops. and Mystique. Mystique's in there as well, trying to assassinate the president. Uh, trying to assassinate oh, Trask. Trask. Uh, so they get that thing outside. Magneto makes a stirring address to mutants around the world, telling them, you all think I'm dangerous. And you're right. Come and be dangerous <laughs> with me. Um, You'll think I'm a complete lunatic who's murdering a lot of people, but I am a complete lunatic who's murdering a lot of people. He owns who he is. And we see, and we see the uh, we see the guys from Nam being inspired by the television. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've, sk- we've skipped some other yeah, so sk- many random subplots. We skipped a lot of stuff here. We skipped the but part, okay. we skipped the part okay. about Xavier mentally traveling through time to talk to himself and get his like, groove back. Good, also, wait, we, we forgot to mention this. There's a lot of shit going on in the future where, like, the Sentinels are closing in. Yeah. I do not care. Oh, my God. In the road cut. Who the fuck cares? A bunch of people get killed. Um... They go get rogue. It adds nothing to the story. I don't know why people act like that's an important addition. Yeah, I didn't uh, even see the rogue. I'm, I think I don't find the only one here who didn't actually watch the rogue cut, so I, I have nothing to add. I, I watched the regular one. Did Did Storm have a speech in the beginning of the theatrical cut where she questions whether they should do this thing at all? Because she has that in the rogue cut, and I don't remember seeing it in the theatrical cut. 
I honestly uh, don't remember. I don't remember. remember. Okay. Because there were there were other scenes added for the road cut. Yeah, I mean there are some other changes, yeah. but like I I don't remember this movie well enough. That and I was able the to road go. cut has an end credits scene that the theatrical cut does not. Yeah. Uh, yes, it does. That's yeah. true. I I take your word. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to the yes. end credits sequence, which hopefully we're not far Let's away from. Just barrel. Yeah. Barrel so, on, guys. Okay. Come on. Um, Magneto is going to kill Nixon. But turns out it's not Nixon, it's Mystique. And Mystique shoots Magneto, uh, grazes him on the neck with a plastic bullet, uh, and pulls off his helmet so Xavier's able to freeze him. And then uh, Xavier convinces Mystique not to kill Trask because it's an opportunity for her to show that we don't have to be monsters. We can choose our own fate. So she By the way, Wolverine, Wolverine at this point has been kicked into a river, yeah, essentially. Yeah, he's, he's weighed down a river and he's drowned. Um, but it's okay. Yeah, it's a good thing that they sent Wolverine back. Uh, Xavier would not have done well in the bottom of that river. No. Um, yeah, and it's unclear to me why the time loop ends. Like it, like it seems like it has nothing to do with anything that Wolverine is doing because he's just per- in a perpetual state the of drowning. The time loop ends when Kitty Pride can no longer keep him asleep, can no, no longer keep him back in time. So when his consciousness stops being projected into the past then the the present or future okay. Wolverine but, stops but it's having a, an opportunity to change the timeline. And so when that happens, the, the timeline continues forward, and the future timeline that he's from is no longer anchored by his consciousness and thus disappears. But no, but if I remember correctly, it's like that that would imply that it's like the moment Kitty Pride gets killed, like things reboot. Yeah. But that's not what happens. Like right before they get killed, everything changes. That's because they've accomplished their goal in the past. But it's it just it so seems it seemed a bit arbitrary it. to me that this was the moment that things had changed. That's and, like, because it was. Yes. Yeah, that, that's well, yeah. They've been changing the timeline for like five days now. But it just she strange. was holding on to his consciousness in the past. So when she stops doing that. Everything ends. Do you ever think Kitty Pride really had to pee at some point? Oh, absolutely. Oh, she probably yeah. just peed. She probably got diaper days. On. days. She got diaper. Kitty Pride diaper. Google it. Why wouldn't she just? I mean, she can just like phase away from her pee, <laughs> so the pee just falls to the floor <laughs> while she's standing there. That oh is god. a good point. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. Fuck it there. Oh no, stop, stop it, please. Okay, let's let's move let's uh let's sally forth here. Okay. So no, 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 no. We're thing, not moving on from Things that. have changed now. What's changed is Wolverine wakes up in the future. Uh and he's back in the school and he leaves his bedroom in the school and sees uh Kelsey old Grammer. Beast, played again by Kelsey Grammer walking by, cracking wise. And all his old Storm. friends are there and alive. Storm's there, still with a bad haircut. And, yeah. Uh, pride across I'm sorry, I, I can hear interruptions because I know we're in the, in the ending stretch. We've been talking a lot about whether or not old actors match up to young actors. Kelsey Grammer does not match up to Nicholas Holt at all. I, don't think, Nicholas, I think Nicholas Holt is the weak link in this film. I never believe anything that he's doing. Really? I, I just never felt connected to his beast at all. But Kelsey I mean, Grammer really carries that character. Is it because of the writing or the character? Yeah. I mean, Kelsey Grammer nails Beast, to be fair. Because yeah. Beast really is a big blue furry Frasier. So, like, 
he kind of does yeah. nail it. I, I, yeah. I really and, did like the, the casting of him in The Last Stand, and I like him here, even just in that couple yeah. minutes. But in when he's uh, when uh, Beast is like flying the the jet, it it looks like a, a child wearing his dad's like coat. You know, <laughs> it just it doesn't look like this guy actually knows how to fly a plane. About a why that, that he is like in control of you know the, uh, his environment. Um, you got someone did. Who's banging on their glass? I'm blanging. I'm that's me. Sorry. <laughs> I, 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 Someone has a toast to make. <laughs> it's my blood wine, you see. Okay, so uh, yeah, we see that uh, Beast is alive, and then Wolverine goes downstairs, and he sees that Gasp, Jean Grey is alive, and he goes to reach out and touch her, and then Cyclops reaches in and grabs his hand. It's like, dude, don't be macking on my babe, bro. And Wolverine's like, well, bro, sorry, my bad, bro. Oh, you're alive again. Something's never changed, Scott. <laughs> and Cyclops has the worst glasses of the movie. It's terrible. Like he's, he's always had bad glasses in these movies. He has the worst fucking glasses. Yeah, they're really terrible. Um, yeah, and Wolverine. They're like high tech Oakleys. They're just fucking awful. Yep. Wolverine says hi to Xavier, and Xavier's like, "Ah, you finally come back." And they... welcome back. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the. Film. I teach history. What? Yeah, you're going to have to teach me some history. Ha ha ha! Freeze frame. Also, uh, I like the I like the implication that Wolverine teaches history because he's kind of like the gym teacher. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. That's, that's a, well, a good he's not through a lot of history. He's an old yeah. fucking man. Yeah, that's true. True. He could. That, that would be the generous reading. Yeah. I mean, he's he's lived through a lot of it, but like he he wasn't paying attention during a lot of it. Think he, of all the wars he fought in. He teaches history because there isn't a shop class at the school. <laughs> well, also, let's be fair. It's not like Xavier's Although, If Wolverine were the shop teacher, you know on the first day of class every semester he would accidentally sever his own hand. <laughs> accidentally. Oh, sorry, I bet he is wicked oh, good on that lane. And that's why you always take care in the shop. And, like, he just never has any use for, like, he always is like, oh, let me fix that for you. Shink. <laughs> you think? Can so you wait, Jay Walter we... Weatherman? No, you <laughs> killed him when you left the refrigerator door up. Wait, now, I have a question. Is, uh, is Charles's school, like, Hogwarts? Is he, are they teaching, like, specialized mutant-specific history, or are they just learning history? Like, is, well, it, is, it, is it the history of mutants? It's not clear where they get their professors for everything, because it's never clear that all the X-Men actually are a cri- Credentialed. Yeah, this to is be the teaching. kind of thing that the, this is well, the kind of thing Common Core was supposed to solve. <laughs> well, I don't think the movies do a very good job of making it clear how the X Men function as a team at all. I don't, I don't think, think that, it, that is their goal. Yeah, I don't think they make it clear. Like, I want the next X Men film to be uh, basically a high school drama set in this exclusive academy, and I want it that to be about be... the particulars about how this school works. Have you looked up? That, and that the, would be uh, great. They should absolutely do that. You know, you get you get some of like the big name mutants to be there for like cameos. But yeah, you can get some young sexy mutants getting all sexy. Have you seen what the next X Men film is? It's Dark Phoenix, right? Well, no, there's New Mutants. Uh, is that a film or a TV series? That's a TV series. Oh, okay, my bad. My Sorry, mistake. it's getting very confusing out here. I know this is someone who literally what saw a sign for the new Gifted show, which is different from the. Um, from the Legion show, and you only can tell that they involved in the X at all because they use the word the zero the circle with the X 
Yeah. I still places. need to finish Legion. I watched Legion. about half of it. That Legion's got sidetracked. The first half is I've heard good things about Legion. I've I, watched I think, it. I think it finishes strong. I think the uh, the next to last episode where you get the cool silent sequence is really great. Ah. Um, well, I think I think anyway, I, I think I stopped at Jermaine guys, Clement being in a frozen room somewhere. Guys, how, we're how, so how could you stop you. at that point? Jermaine Clement showed up in a frozen room. Guys, we're so close. Anyway. So close. No, no, we're not. We've only just summarized the, the past, movie. We haven't even discussed it. <laughs> in the past, uh, okay, in the past, Wolverine gets fished the out by Stryker, who is actually Mystique, and then the film ends, but then the film does not end because there's a post-credit scene where we see some blue-skinned guy putting together the pyramids in ancient Egypt well, just by well, waving his arms around. Hearst, well, for Hearst, <laughs> Um, Four horse persons are behind him. I I don't I say horse persons because we don't know. And they Cynth- might be men. Cynthia mentioned that that scene should have been scored to the Tetris theme as he's putting the pyramids together. So in the road cut, there is an additional like mid credit scene. What is it? it adds nothing. It's just yeah. like the, an overhead shot of Magneto's cell. And some food goes in, and oh my God, it's Trask in there! For why do you need him in that prison? Why are we putting him in the no in the no metal prison? Yep. He doesn't have metal powers. No killer robots beyond this point. <laughs> <laughs> also, why is he in prison? What did he do that was illegal? Uh, uh, tried to tra- sell military yeah. secrets to the Vietnamese. Yeah, that was it. That really doesn't seem to have stopped any of our great in- weapons industrialists back in that time period. No, but but well, to be fair, none of our great weapons industrialists built giant robots that got taken over on the White House lawn. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, How I have to imagine you don't, of, you don't get a lot of... Have you seen the aviator? <laughs> I haven't. It's entirely possible that's what the aviator's about. Yeah. That is what the aviator's about. Yeah. So, we're done with the movie. Shall we discuss it? All right, yeah, we've talked for a long time about the movie because they're like, this is a. There's two so hour much mo- of the movie. And like, by the way, just, a, it's uh, a two-hour film, but it's a lot of two-hour films. By the way, two by the way, faithful listeners, there are subplots that we skipped, like oh, yeah. Wolverine's re- frequent flashbacks. Uh, yeah, we're not we're not going over them. Fuck them. <laughs> like, I, there's a lot going on in this fucking movie. Loved this movie when I saw it in the theater, partially because I felt like it was a brilliant way to retcon out all of the previous films that I wasn't particularly satisfied with. And yeah. I felt like Brian Singer had, even though he, he retconned stuff within this film, because in the previous film, like Trask was not killed in the seventies, but he's just ignoring X3. It feels like, uh, mm-hmm. uh but Trask I feel is like X2. my rewatch is the same. I had the same reaction that I've had with all the other X-Men films where, because it's so plot driven and I'm no longer curious about the plot, even though I cannot remember what the plot was, because despite the fact that these movies are all plot, I can never remember what happened in any of them other than the first two uh, yeah. uh, and parts of The Wolverine. But I don't remember a lot of what happens in the, the third one, even though I've seen it three times. I still can't remember what happens in uh, X-Men Origins of Wolverine. <laughs> he uh, walks away from a helicopter exploding. I know that. Yep. He sure. calls some guy Bob and he, and he gets a confused with Bob. With uh, Will I Am was oh. there. There was a mutant who had super gun shooting powers, but they inexplicably did not give him the adamantium bullets. Sure. Uh, but uh, in rewatching the films, I, I'm just bored because yeah. I'm no longer curious about the plot, and there's not enough character or external motivation for any. And I just don't have an anchor to attach to. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, Hugh Jackman's I, cool and he can carry a film, but, you know, I, I can only take so much. Give me well, something else. I haven't yeah, seen... I, sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead, Esther. Oh, I, I, was, I was just going to say, I had a very similar uh, experience of, you know, I... I remember really liking this movie, and yeah, I found it quite boring. I still think it's probably the second best of the movies, but I think that's more an indictment of how, how bored I am by most of the X-Men what movies. What would you say is the best one? X2 still. Have you got, are, are I mean, and again, and again, we when we watched it for this, when we watched it for this, I was like, I'm much more bored with this than I remembered are, being. Are we counting both Logan and Deadpool in this ranking? Oh, um, well, I haven't seen Logan, so I can't rank it. I, I think I hadn't really considered Deadpool in there. I suppose it is in the same cinematic universe. I wouldn't. I was just. I was, I was thinking of like the X Men movies and the explicitly uh, Wolverine movies when I was uh, ranking uh, ranking these. Uh, if Deadpool is in consideration, yeah, I would say that's certainly the best of the ones yeah, I've seen. I, I, will say I, would, this. I would expect Logan would probably also be one or two there. I mean, Logan and I love Logan and Deadpool. Um, and my, my kind of experience, I haven't seen Apocalypse yet. I, I kind of feel the thing about the X-Men movies <coughs> is that they're kind of by their setup to be like the Avengers movies because the Avengers movies are super plot driven. And I'm sure we're going to talk more about this when we talk about, um, Age of Ultron, but like, you know, even the first Avengers movie is super plot driven, like, because you can't have a character driven story when you've got that much goddamn people on the screen. Like God help us when we get to Infinity War, because if they just oh, deal with movie heroes alone, and they don't even bother to bring in, like, the Defenders, mm-hmm. like, th- those, like, some of those scenes are going to be so jam-packed with characters. But yeah. you're not, and you're really not do- getting the, con- the individual connective tissue films in between the big events. Yeah, so there's something, there's something to, like, hang on. So, like, you know, those mutants at the very beginning, those ones that, you know, Blink and Sunspot and War Paint, or whatever he's called, Warpath, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> if, if that had been, like, the extent of their role, but, you know, we had seen them in another movie, that still might be, you know, sufficient. So, But I think it's the fact, it's the fact that we have so many sort of effectively nameless mooks around the periphery of this movie that effectively just revolves around, like, Four or five well, mutants are really the only ones who are like core. If I may, if I may actually bounce off of that idea, and you know, to kind of touch back on Infinity War, if like there's a scene in Avengers three or four where like the world is going completely crazy and like all these random goons are attacking, and then we just had a sequence of superheroes fighting off these goons, and we just saw the Defenders all fighting them off but they never really explained who they were, I would actually be okay with that because yeah. the Defenders had, had, if you know who they, if you don't know who they are, it's just four superheroes fighting it off and it's fine. But if you've seen their stuff, you're like, oh, hey, there's Daredevil, like, fist, you know, flying arm punching a fist good pumping. guy. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> fist pumping. <laughs> there's Luke Cage tackling an alien. It's like, that's yeah. great. But because they have their own thing, so when they, if they did show up, I would just see it as a nice little Benny, but I wouldn't be bothered by it. But because, again, like, as you said, Nick, these people are so many from all over that it's just too intense to be able to handle. Yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the things that I do like about the X-Men movies is that they they do kind of dig deep and we get a lot of, like, B and, Le- B and C list um, mutants. It's not just, like, the same core six constantly, but... Uh, though all those B and C list fuckers get absolutely no... Uh, screen time, and they'll only be around for like one movie. So you know, I have 
I I don't give a shit about Warpath. He's just some Rufio looking motherfucker. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about you know Pyro. I don't care about like all the like evil mutants from X three because they're just going to be here uh, for a little bit. And yeah, I feel like in some ways I'm like, oh look, we're actually like delving into like all the this like complex world of mutants. But it's such a shallow engagement with that world of mutants that it's just like I don't really fucking care that who you know uh then that's toad because it doesn't really matter that it's toad yeah it's not used uh i, I want to correct myself from earlier when i said bishop was the only african uh the only african one here and i just remember that storm is actually from africa storm? Yeah. And bishop in the comics is supposed to be an australian aboriginal or aboriginate but uh it looks yeah, like say, she's also the queen of wakanda well x-men movies wiki uh, this bishop is possibly of African descent. He's not from for, Australia. For me, the the odd thing about this film, um, you know, for a film that is all plot and for which time travel is ostensibly an important part of that plot, this is the most boring use of time oh travel I think I've seen in a film. I'm, I'm actually struggling to think uh, <laughs> of a film that's where, like, the use of time travel as a conceit um, yeah. is simpler and has like lower stakes because it's more, it's more boring than back to the future three. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's sort of like, um, they like had, back to the future three. It's a, they, it's a fun film, but it's the, time the second travel, best back to the future movie the time travel conceit in that film though is ah, this one's a Western. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but, the film completely abandons like the usual thing that makes a time travel plot interesting in, in as much as it can be in that, like, um, you know, oftentimes the struggle is to um, prevent the future from changing uh, yes. into, into something bad here. The future already is like bad. The darkest time. It's the darkest yeah. timeline. So they go, and so back, they go in back in time to destroy their own timeline. Yes. Um, but the sort of ripple effects of doing that, um, like we've already mentioned, like it's very kind of loosey-goosey. It's like both timelines exist simultaneously and there's a very artificial it's yeah. sort of like the future changes when the plot when the movie decides yeah. the future yeah. can the change. The future changes because Mystique didn't fire, but it's not entirely clear, like, why that is. Like, I understand right. why that's a definitive well, moment, so but, like, what, there's what been a lot of definitive moments. So so Wolverine should have gone back in time, knowing that he had to change the future, and immediately started stepping on yeah. every butterfly he could find. That's not the crux. The future changes when its mental anchor, anchor, Wolverine from the future, is no longer anchored to the future. Yeah. So it's a mental connection. And... So are you saying it's him drowning is what severs it? No, it's in the future when Kitty Pride stops being able to hold on to him. But why does she stop being able to hold on to because him? Because she gets killed right then. Like she but loses she doesn't get killed. It's ha- ha- the time changes before she's killed. Maybe she just panics the- and let's go. Well, she doesn't actually have to die to stop being able to hold on to him. But do we see, uh, like, I, I, I don't have the movie in front. Do we actually see her stop doing it? Isn't it just sort of they, you know, evaporate away? Isn't that the yeah, but the see? moment that she stops doing it, they will evaporate because it's no longer anchored. So the, the two things happen simultaneously. Mm. You're not going to actually yeah. see it because okay. that will take place after it has ceased to exist. Are, is this is this your interpretation of what's going on? This is on, what or? they say is happening in the film. He's right. All right. 
that's why she has to concentrate the whole time. That's why in the Rogue cut, they bring in Rogue to try and take over for yeah. her. He's not uh, saying I mean, because it's someone good. has to hold on to it. It's just yeah. right. Yeah, the thing okay, is, like, so it's regardless... entirely a coincidence that that happens to coincide with the moment that the mission is accomplished. Yes, that's so the that's point. Even is that they do it at the last possible? They, they have they disarmed the bomb with half a second left. Okay. I want you to all know that I've been incredibly checked out during this entire discussion, no, and that's have been fair. That's fine. Movie. That's entirely fine. I would have but, been yeah. fine to come home from Baltimore Comic Con and go directly to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I think to like to go back yeah, to what way, Derek nice cosplay pine tree. You know, the, oh, oh. the you know. I, I literally um, just finished a rewatch when I saw that, so oh, that's why I. I, I was in my head. Yeah. <laughs> well, Thank I mean, you. to go back to what Derek was talking about, like I think, I think the fact that we don't really see the impact of the future, the fact that we're like constantly cutting back to the future, but like the future remains stable despite all the changes mm-hmm. that are going on, I think that is sort of one of the bigger problems here in that. Well, let's specifically say they say in the beginning of the film that that's what's going to happen. No, I un- I understand that that's what they d- but okay. they say that because they didn't want to deal with trying to figure out a more complicated time travel plot. Not well, not because this is this is how time travel works. Uh, and it just it seems boring. Like what uh, Derek was talking about, it seems boring to me because there isn't that sort of interface between what's going on in the past and what's going on in the future. They're for some reason in- entirely parallel, and the future is entirely cut off from the past until that moment where I actually I felt like the way. typical stakes of time travel are not present in this. Yeah, yeah. like there's, yeah. There's... I think that they have different stakes, which actually are kind of interesting because the point is not to preserve the lives of these characters. The point is to save the world. Yes. And they, they are all sacrificing themselves knowingly. Also, the way that they do it gives it gives the filmmakers an opportunity to kill all of the characters twice, which you do not usually get to do in a film. Yes. Uh, Brian Singer is a very vengeful, petty person in this game. But I, to bring it back to what I said earlier about the, the thought experiment about killing Hitler, uh, like, have you seen the movie Looper? Yes. A long time yeah. ago. Yeah. That, that is a movie that to me is founded on this question of if you could go back in time and kill Hitler before he had ever done anything wrong, would you do it and would it be wrong? Because he is not a guilty person at that point. What Looper says, spoiler alert, is oh, Looper, you don't yeah. kill Hitler. You do everything you can to make his life better and raise him right so he doesn't want to become Hitler. Hitler. Yes. And what this movie posits is that Trask is Hitler and Mystique kills him, but it doesn't change what Hitler wanted to do. But he's not the only Hitler here. Magneto is also a Hitler. Everyone so, knows that Hitler was a Hitler, but what this movie presupposes yes. is maybe he wasn't. <laughs> but the movie, the movie speaking also, of, the movie also Westerns, presupposes Royal that it might not matter if you kill Trask. What's that? The, the movie also presupposes that killing Trask might not matter. Like, that the entire well, point of their mission... But the point is that, that to me... Just so everyone knows, I'm working Trask on my grocery list again. Yeah, yeah. He had already you done all of the Trask things. Uh, and yeah. killing him is just the, the motivation that the world needs to implement the things that Trask had created. If she'd killed him before he had actually come up with those ideas, then it might be different. Which but, is why I think they should have sent Wolverine back like 30 years and yes. murdered baby Trask. That would have solved all of these problems. Because then, if they'd killed Hitler, Magneto would not have become Magneto. Ah. Yeah, no, you got a good point there. Um, I feel like there was a point I was going to make, and then I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I do think there's a series of interesting thought experiments I had a point somewhere in this film. Oh, Oh, yeah. 
I think, I think it's that, also like the idea that because Mystique does not kill Trask there on the White House lawn, mm-hmm. thus the Sentinel project is just entirely scrapped. I'm like, yeah, but the entire world has just watched a, su- a super villain mutant try to kill the president. I feel like there's still going to be upset saves about everyone it. from that mutant. I I feel I just feel like it's a very optimistic interpretation of how yeah. people would react to this. I'm pretty you sure people would be more freaked out about mutants than like, yeah, mutants are okay. So. <laughs> You're, you're very competitive in your outlook of uh, evolutionary survival. You, you never acknowledge that cooperation is an equally good method of survival. You should do the uh, voiceover of the next X-Men film during the intro <laughs> and summarize the conceit of that film. Well, you know. I think it's because okay. you're an only child. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I am avowedly pro-robot apocalypse. Derek, wait, is that a pig or a bear, Derek? The pig. Yeah. Pig and a goat. A couple of livestock living their lives. That one's for Patrick. <laughs> and also, Gravity Falls has another uh, pop culture uh, reference to peanut butter. Yes, it does. Ah, so we're that's three, Bester. Take that. And you said that westerns are dying, but the Royal Tenenbaums is a western. Mm-hmm. He's I don't actually like the Royal Tenenbaums. What's that? I brought my rainbow pig. I don't care for the Royal Tenenbaums. <gasps> you monster! Mm. I prefer Wes Anderson's later work. I still prefer Rushmore. Yeah, I've never gotten Rushmore. Like, I think it's fine, but uh-huh. it's like Jackie Brown. A lot of people will list Jackie Brown as their favorite uh-huh. Tarantino movie. And, like, I think it's fine, but I don't understand why it's anyone's favorite. No, Rushmore. Rushmore is really interesting because I saw it when I was in high school, and I absolutely did not believe that Jason Schwartzman was young enough to play a high school character. Yeah. And now I'm like, that boy looks like he's in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I would say Royal Tenenbaums and and uh, Life Aquatic are probably my two favorite. Oh, Life Aquatic, going to bed. I would say Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest, followed by Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'd say Rushmore and Grand Budapest. Anyway, this is the Wes Anderson podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is the Wes Anderson minute. I'll underscore this with uh, mischievous fiddle music. <laughs> <laughs> Why is my shirt suddenly pastel? Yeah. I was wearing a dark blue Hintley before. What happened? You were wearing now. Yeah, now you're wearing gingham. <laughs> so I ran away from the computer for like 15 seconds, and apparently we just gave up any conceit. We we're going to talk about this fucking movie anymore. Yeah, and we're I am talking fine about it. with that. Movie's over. I am fucking fine I with that. I do not hate this movie. I, really I don't hate don't. it either, let's, but I'm yeah, bored as shit of it. Let's move. You want to pick all that up? Let's move into final thoughts. Uh, Let me just look Pat- through my notes, yeah. see if anything else. Patrick, I have. Yeah. G- give your final thoughts, or did you just do that? No, I, I, I mean, I, I started to. I, this movie is literally entirely plot. And I think that this movie is literally entirely plot in a way that is exceeds even previous superhero movies or even previous X-Men movies. Because we've kind of ragged on the previous X-Men movies for being a lot of plot. And I'm okay with a superhero movie being more plot-focused than anything. Because, like, you know, if the question is, do I want to watch the Avengers punch a bunch of robots? Yes, I do. And I don't really care all that much about the the deep character moments that got them there. And I am a professional writer. So that just gives you an idea of how I feel about it. But Days of Future Past is so incredibly plot heavy that it, I feel like it's major, like it's fun. And there are parts of it that I like. Like I said, I genuinely do enjoy watching Wolverine be annoyed with how pissy and childish you know uh eric and charles are and 
you know, all these actors are great. Like, I, as we've established, I would watch Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen read me an elaborate recipe for braised short ribs. Mm. Um, fun fact, I was making my grocery list. I'm having braised short ribs on Friday. Um, That's but, definitely a fact. Yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> fun for me. No assholes. one can deny. <laughs> um, Only we can decide how much fun we'll have with that fact. <laughs> yes, uh, but uh, the thing is, is that like I just feel like this movie is really plot driven because I feel like you know when you look at a movie and you ask what is the point, and I don't mean that like obviously the point. Is, I, I, don't, I, I don't mean that in a nasty way. I really don't. I mean what is the what what is the story trying to tell? And sometimes it's just a fun plot story. The audience story. to pay money to see it. Yeah, this is, that is the point. It's, it's, well, I mean, Patrick, I, this I was know the Werner Herzog uh, X-Men film. They have mutants and they fly and planes. Look, and of all the five of us here, I'm the one who works in goddamn Hollywood. I know what the point is. Uh, I don't know um, if you do, Patrick. <laughs> um, but this movie literally, the point of the story is fix the timeline. Like, let's be fair. Like, that's that. Like this point... This movie doesn't really move the characters forward in a way like the the relationships between everyone don't change. It's all reset back to zero. But like this movie literally, but the movie exists not even to have a fun romp. It exists just to fix the timeline. And in that regard, it does to a degree succeed, I suppose. But I guess to me, I, I almost just wonder, like, I wish they had just not even tried. Does that make sense? Like, I wish they had just done a sequel to straight up sequel to first class and then just not even try to fix the timeline because by doing so i feel like they almost drew attention to something that i wish they hadn't done like if i may spoil buffy in season four of buffy they introduced the initiative and i hate the initiative and not buffy and one of the reasons i hate the initiative is that i feel like it buffy universe does not make sense if the federal government knows monsters are running around and the moment they introduced that idea, I'm getting annoyed by it because I hadn't thought about it as a, as a possible concept before. But now that I have to think about it, it doesn't make sense. And that's kind of how I feel about Days of Future Past. It is a fun romp. I do enjoy parts of it. The Quicksilver parts are great. I enjoy how annoyed Logan is. But I feel like this because this movie just exists to fix the timeline, I frankly wish they had just not even bothered. Like, just go forward. Don't try to, don't try to fix it. Just yeah. do you do you mean that it exists to fix the timeline for Brian Singer and the film producers, or that it exists like the characters in the film only exist because they want to fix their own timeline? What are you I, trying I mean, to say? exists in a meta, in a meta sense. Like obviously, I have no idea what Fox was thinking, and I I, I don't want to put idea. I I want to be clear here because I hope they'll hire me one day. That I I'm just presupposing how it feels to me. That it feels like it only exists to fix the timeline that the already very broken X-Men timeline. And I feel like that was unnecessary because first class feels like such a reboot that it wasn't necessary. Like the only reason you can assume first class exists in the same narrative universe is because of Logan showing up as Wolverine in one cameo, cut that out. And this could have just been a straight up reboot. And I wish they had just let it be a straight up reboot and moved on because I feel like, I, I, maybe this is just a personal pet peeve. Anytime you do a crisis style event to fix this timeline, it always ends up being a less interesting story than if you just, you know, said "fuck it," you know, um, we're moving on, and that's the end of it. 
well, so like that, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't I like disagree. crisis style timelines because like, uh, I mean, I think that the new, the Star Trek reboot did it very well. And I think that this, there's a lot going on in this movie that isn't focused on. It's, it's just happening in the background. Like it's, or it's expressed through the actions of the characters. Uh, as I said earlier, like the characterization is expressed through their relationship to their powers and the ideas of the film are expressed through, they're discussed through the plot. Uh, they don't tend to talk about them as ideas so much. Uh, but like, it's where the, where the U.S. was at this point in its history is where Professor X is at this point in his history. Uh, in a malaise, if you will. Yes. And he needs to get back Jimmy his faith nothing in his, wrong. In his youthful idea that people are not monsters. They do monstrous things, but even if they stumble, they can be redeemed. And he, he has gotten to a point in his life where he not only thinks that Magneto was a monster because he tried to kill JFK, uh, that the, the government is monstrous for what's going on in Vietnam, but he himself is a monster because uh, he's been abandoned by everyone he loves and he's done terrible things and he's just a worthless person. So he's got to get himself back to the hopeful person that he wants to be and but he doesn't care to do that so uh they're when they send everyone back or when they send wolverine back uh with the knowledge of the future uh he's he's trying to save mystique he's trying to save magneto and he's trying to save the professor by expressing to them the direction that they are headed at this time by being hopeless and by by being pessimists uh, and if they would work to stop monsterizing everyone and to acknowledge that people who mess up are still human, then uh, I don't know if monsterize is a word, but it's a word I use I regularly when other people are, are trying to talk about like, when, when someone's complaining about like someone cutting them off in traffic and they're dehumanizing the other person and assuming that they're, they're acting out against the, the person who's talking to you instead of just like trying to get somewhere in traffic just like everyone else is. Then I feel like you're monsterizing them because, I think, yeah. dude, I don't yeah. think you needed to define monsterize for us. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, even if it's not in the dictionary, it's clear what you mean, and thus is a word. I would like to use it in a sentence and find out what the the first use of the word is, please. Yeah, when it uh, shows up at the national spelling bee competition, <laughs> then I'll acknowledge it. Monsterize. That would be the easiest word ever. In a sentence. <laughs> there are three but Z's, and they're not where you think they are. <laughs> Z Z M L N Z Z. It's, it's one step above Z-Z. super size. It's monster size. Uh, uh, monster and... size, me. It's that one where Morgan Spurlock drank that, that <laughs> and turned into a monster. He drank. He drank. He drank Doctor Pickle's potion. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, drink, nothing drink monster energy. Drink. Yeah, but for thirty I, days. So I think there's a there's a lot that they're trying to discuss in this film, and I think they do it in a way that is almost entirely uninteresting after the first viewing. It, it just, it, it doesn't, there's nothing about this film that feels classic, except for the time in a bottle scene. And there is one other thing that I wanted to point out. It was, I initially did not even think about the fact that Quicksilver was wearing a Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon shirt, because it's it's so, such a ubiquitous piece of album art that you don't even, it's like, oh, this is the 70s, of course. But it's because that's the album with time on it. Bum, bum, bum. And I, I, I liked that. I thought that actually really worked for his I character. Re- I, feel really, I feel really bad that I started singing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
So I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this movie, but I don't feel like I ever want to watch it again. I feel like I feel like that's been my feeling after every one of these X Men yes. uh, viewings. Like I agree, even the ones that I liked, like this one or X Two. I'm like, ah, this was this was the last time. Honestly, I think part of it is the palette. Like I just think of them as very dark, unpleasant to look at films. Well, that, this is Whereas a lot of the Avengers about... or the Marvel MCU movies are really bright and. This and... is why I brought up uh, the the Brian Singer visual style versus Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. Singer defined the palette in 2000 with X-Men. And mm-hmm. a lot of the rest of them have just kind of looked like that film. Even yeah. when Brett Ratner was doing it or when you had the Will I Am film. But, I feel like first, first Class had a noticeably different visual yes. style that made yes, it. Yes, bright yellow outfits. I yeah, love it that. looks yellow and blue like the cartoon, but not in a way that I actually want to look at. Oh, I'm not talking about the costume design. I'm just talking about the the style of the film itself. You. Oh, you I, well, I meant the the color palette. Okay, the yeah. ones I remember from it are like the yeah. the paisley browns and the bright yellows and bright blues and. Uh, but it, I, are we it's still, still technically not in my final thoughts, by the way? I think we've moved into Duges. I thought, I thought you oh, finished sorry. your final thoughts. I thought, thoughts. We, had com- I thought we had completed Duges. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I was. That's what I meant. Is more like I'm not. I know we're supposed to get final thoughts, but I've lost the thread of whose final thoughts we're on. I think we're. Do you on, have more final thoughts? I think we. No. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay, we're on to Bester's final. This thoughts. This can be okay. to final thoughts. And he might yes. have just given it. Um. Oh well, one of the things I was thinking about from Patrick's final thought, he was talking about sort of the timeline fix and sort of not really giving a shit about it, and it was making me think about when Homecoming came out, and I saw a lot of people online, a lot of my friends who are uh, also Marvel fans, being really perturbed by how home, Homecoming doesn't really seem to neatly fit within the MCU, within oh, the MCU timeline. And all I could think was, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. It just does not seem like vitally important to me that these movies, any of these movies, if it be sort of the Fox Marvel universe, mm-hmm. the DC universe, the MCU, uh, Universal's incredibly misguided dark monster universe. Whatever the fuck we're talking about. I do not need these to be in an entirely coherent uh, timeline. Mm-hmm. Like, if I think about the Fast and the Furious movies, those movies, t- like, four <laughs> of those movies take place over a week or something like that. And, and then the third movie, like, matter. indicates they've been drifting for, like, ten years because the cell yeah. phones change and the guy's aged. Yeah. And, like... I, I understand, like, on some level, you know, there's the there's that sort of impulse to sort of encyclopedize and, uh, you know, come up with a detailed timeline to make everything thick. And a lot of people are into doing that sort of thing. But I just don't give a shit. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, if they had just gone, you know, let's do something with Nixon and Sentinels and we'll bring Wolverine into it. So now he's in the mix with the with the first class mutants. I would be fine with that. That would be probably a better movie than this i do not need i don't need to square the circle of but how does kitty pride and storm fit into this they don't need to so what you're saying is that nixon is the indispensable man of this (laughs) i mean i feel like i feel like if you're going to make an x-men movie set in the 70s with at least some political content, it's got to have Nixon at some some capacity could have jerry ford trying to whip inflation now uh, yeah, Derek, it your, could. Your final thought. I feel like that's an even deeper cut than the Paris uh, peace accords. 
my final thought. Bester took the words right out of my mouth. Um, this, I think this, our final thought is a kitty. <laughs> a kitty. Uh, this oh, film. Is okay. You know what? Fuck it. My final thought is that cute kitten. Dude, Sorry, audience. Uh, up to the I, camera. I, uh, my girlfriend and I brought home a foster kitten today. It's like audience, you have no old. clue how cute this it's kitten is. <laughs> the smallest kitten I've ever seen. It's. Yep. And he this, keeps yelling at us. This, fan, this film began assuming I, as the viewer, cared about the X-Men universe. And that was its fundamental <laughs> original <laughs> sin. Um, and it forgot, you know, I, I, I will say I enjoyed parts of the movie, like, yeah. a, a lot. I, I think it's actually, you know, fairly enjoyable in the moment. It's also completely forgettable. I never want yeah, to Yeah, I remember I was, I was just looking through the notes, my the thread I wrote on Twitter. And, you know, I'm making fun of it at times, but I felt positive about it. But the last two hours or so of, of walking through this movie, it's just been such a goddamn slog. Well, that's because yeah. of who you're doing it with. That's true. Um, <laughs> I do hate all of you and, guys. Yeah, Derek. Yeah, I, 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 would, I, would I would echo, I think, everyone's, uh, everyone's view on this. Just in the end, like, were tomorrow someone to travel back in time and prevent me from watching this film, I would end up remembering as much of this film as I'm probably going to remember tomorrow anyway. <laughs> and it's I weird, because that's how I, I feel about all of the X-Men films. Yeah, they, yeah they, there's something, there's something that really just, they just fall out of my head. There's no, there's, yeah. There is nothing, and again, I, the exception, because I haven't seen Logan yet, but the exception, I would say, is Deadpool, if we're considering that an X-Men film. Yes. The, there's, yeah, I don't. There is not anything to hold on to here yeah. it's th things are happening and characters are doing things but there is nothing that gets its hooks at me yeah uh, and that, that and doesn't, doesn't mean it's a bad watch or that i regret watching it but i'm i'm done with it yeah do, do we all uh, just uh, before we end uh, just to uh, bring us back to the one thing i think we all agree was if, if not the best part of the movie one of the best parts of the movie uh, Quicksilver. Does everyone remember the first promotional photos of Quicksilver and yeah. how incredibly dumb he looked? He no, he looks so bad. <laughs> like I think it was oh, Entertainment Weekly right or something like that. Like uh, like a month or two before this movie came out, this was like the first image of him, and he looked awful. And I still think those goggles are incredibly stupid. It makes uh, sense though. I mean, I you got to keep the bugs out of it and the air out of it. Imagine how difficult it would be to see. If he were running everywhere faster than a person on a motorcycle. Yeah. All right. Sure. Okay. I. It's that, Empire, what, what, Empire Magazine. I'm Empire right Magazine. Now. It looks terrible. Yeah. So, for, for for those of us on the on the board who have not seen it, look look up that. For our readers, if you just want a good laugh at how terrible it looked, uh, I'm gonna look at it right now. Empire Quicksilver. Yeah, can you put that on screen share? Screen share. Evan Peters really does it with his hair done up like this. He really does. Freakishly look like young Doc Brown. Yeah. It's. Yeah. It's really good. Hey, hey, there's another movie we can pitch. <laughs> <laughs>